Holy God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the scripture that we are about to uh, look at. Lord, open our minds and our hearts to what you would have us to hear today. And Lord, if I misspeak, forgive me. Let your message be heard. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. So I'm going to take a look. We're going to be in the book of Habakkuk today. Uh, I'm going to be in uh, chapter 1, 1 through 4, chapter 2, 1 through 4, and chapter 3, 17 through 19. If you want to find Habakkuk, just go to Matthew and turn left, and that's where it's at. Okay, so uh, get there in a minute. So we live in what one writer calls a microwave society. We have fast planes and fast cars. We have good roads. And we have plenty of gas, but we can never get anywhere on time. We can get our oil changed in less than 15 minutes. We can get pizza delivered to the house in under 30 minutes or it's free. That's right. We have instant coffee. Who loves instant coffee more than regular coffee? That's what I thought. We have instant tea. Who loves instant tea better than the other? Instant mashed potatoes? Yeah, pretty. You like instant mashed potatoes. There you go. There you go. We got one. They're not as good as the real thing, right? We have minute rice and instant pudding and lean pockets from the freezer to the table in 60 seconds. We depend on fast food restaurants. We have hot water, automatic washing machines, clothes dryers, dishwashers, vacuum sweepers that clean the air, but we can't seem to find time to get anything done. We wait in the doctor's office. I pointed out in the early service, we wait in the eye doctor's office too Michael and Lindsay both felt real guilty (laughs) our hospitals have emergency room waiting surgery waiting outpatient waiting maternity waiting ICU waiting many many more we have fast-acting pain pills you wait in line at Walmart Kmart Sears and Six Flags at the airport And it doesn't matter what line I get in, it's always the slowest line. This line moves faster. I can move over, and then this line will move faster. It's just the way things work. Every place that we go has some sort of a waiting process. And friends, we're just not good at waiting as a society. We're not good at it. We want instant satisfaction. We we demand it. But God makes us wait. In the book of Habakkuk, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not listen? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see wrongdoing and look at trouble? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law becomes slack and justice never prevails. The wicked surround the righteous. Therefore judgment comes forth perverted. I will stand at my watch post and station myself on the rampart. I will keep watch to see what he will say to me and what he will answer concerning my complaint. And then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so that a runner may read it. For there is still a vision for the appointed time. It speaks of the end and does not lie. If it seems to tarry, wait for it. It will surely come, it will not delay. Look at the proud. Their spirit is not right with them, but the righteous live by their faith. Chapter 3. Though the fig tree does not blossom and no fruit is on the vines, though the produce of the olive fails and the fields yield no food, 
Though the flock is cut off from the fold and there is no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will exult in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and makes me tread upon the heights. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So title today's sermon, Ask God, Trust God, and Wait. So we don't know a whole lot about the prophet Habakkuk. I was laughing at the early service. There were three different opinions about how his name was pronounced. So we don't know a whole lot about this guy other than the book is unique because Habakkuk, instead of talking to the people and preaching to the people, this is all about a dialogue between him and God. It's just him and God. Israel was waiting for uh, the coming, the hope of the coming of the Messiah, right? Uh, just like we wait for Jesus' return now. We wait for Jesus to come to us and bring a time of justice and equality and peace and prosperity. The book of Habakkuk helps us to focus on that hope. It addresses the struggle of hope in this world of chaos. Hope in the face of hopeless situations. And the decision to hope rather than to give in to despair. So in chapter 1, Habakkuk observes that there is destruction and violence and the law has become lacking and the wicked outnumber the righteous and all he sees is pain and suffering. Sounds a little bit like 2020 to 2022, doesn't it? I mean, we can relate to what he's talking about. He was a prophet in Judea around the time of the Babylonian invasion, so he was a witness to these destructive forces of war. Uh, and the breakdown of society. He, he cried out to God and, uh, to intervene, but it appeared to him that God was nowhere to be found. God wasn't listening. And that there was no hope. We can relate to that, can't we? We can relate in all situations nearly. Habakkuk focuses on how long. Like, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? How long shall I cry to you violence and you will not save? And then he moves to the why. Why do you make me see iniquity? Why do you idly look at wrong? See, Habakkuk has been praying for these people and for the nation, but nothing's happening. You ever find yourself in that position where you're praying for something desperately, something within your family, something within your, your, your sphere of influence, and it just seems like there's no answer coming? God is not responding. The people that he was praying for was supposed to be holy people of God, but they were violent and sinful and unjust. The law was paralyzed. The righteous were surrounding the wicked. And Habakkuk's cry is just simply, God, what's going on? I imagine him to be standing there, shaking his fist, saying, why are you not showing up? Where yet, God? Here I am. Habakkuk was just being honest with God. We look around us today and we see so many serious chronic health issues, right? Families battling addiction, long-term unemployment, battles with depression and mental illness, uh, battered and abused, abused relationships. And we pray and we pray and we pray and nothing seems to happen. Sometimes we wonder if God's listening at all. You ever doubt? I doubt sometimes. I wonder there are thousands upon thousands of people seeking asylum from war and, and gangs and drug cartels and other threats of violence. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
War continues in dozens of countries, spreading death and destruction. According to the United Nations, each day, 25,000 people, including more than 10,000 children, die from hunger and hunger-related causes. Can you imagine 25,000 people a day dying because they're hungry? Some 854 million people worldwide are estimated to be undernourished. And high food prices may drive another 100 million into poverty and hunger. When I read that, I thought, I had no idea. And we pray and we pray, but the problems are so great and so many, it seems like we never see the end of it. We wonder where God is. So in chapter 2, God answers Habakkuk. God assures Habakkuk, Habakkuk and us that peace and justice and prosperity is all coming. Jesus is coming. It's, been, it's in an appointed time, though, and, and God encourages us to wait and to be patient. He encouraged Habakkuk to wait and to be patient. You know, waiting is part of our life of faith. Ours is not an empty passing of time, though, right? As followers of Jesus, we wait with hope. We have that hope that Jesus offers us with a sense of expectation that God is moving in some ways that we, don't, we can't necessarily see or understand. But we don't wait idly, right? We're active. We're active in our faith. We involve ourselves in living out our faith and sharing God's love and God's grace with everyone around us. With all the pain and suffering around us, there are so many opportunities for our gifts and our talents to, to be used and to, to help others. And, and, and individually, we may not be able to do great things, but all together with our little things, we can do very helpful and necessary things. We can make a difference. Throughout this book, Habakkuk's situation did not change. Throughout the entire thing, his situation didn't change, but he did. Habakkuk changed. He made the decision to hope. We look around at the pain and suffering in our lives, in our personal lives and in the lives around us, and we can become depressed and discouraged. We can, be, uh, we can lose all of our motivation. We can, we can lose our energy. But Habakkuk chooses to turn away from that despair that filled the whole first chapter of his book. And as he comes to the end of his, um, his conversation with God, his interaction, in chapter 3 he writes this beautiful prayer. He comes to believe that though the fig tree does not blossom and there is no fruit on the vine, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will exalt the God of my salvation. No matter how bad it gets, no matter how much is missing, no matter how much seems to be taken away or how much is in turmoil, God is my salvation. I trust in Him. Hope doesn't wait for our situation to change, right? Nor does hope necessarily change our situation, but it does change us. It should. It should give us a new, a new, uh, a new attitude, a new perspective on the way things are. Um, Habakkuk expresses this change with the words, God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and makes me tread upon the heights. You ever see those shows where the, the deer are going up the mountains and their feet are... We, we would slide and fall easily, but they just make their way up like it's effortless. Habakkuk shows us that we can have an honest conversation with God. God can handle our 
raw emotions and our raw thoughts. We don't have to pretty it up. We don't have to decorate it. We don't have to get in a prostate position. We don't have to, to um, clap our hands and kneel at our bed. We can just talk to God. Matter of fact, I think God would rather us, you know, shake our fist if we're mad and say, what's going on? Can you give me an answer? It's appropriate to turn to God in prayer and tell Him that we just don't understand. Habakkuk talks to God about these things and then he doesn't leave or turn away. He waits, which is what God is wanting him to do. So often we simply give up and walk away. Or we take that prayer back and we decide we're going to do it ourselves. Tell God what you're experiencing. Our prayer is simply dialogue with God. It's just, it's just you and God talking. You don't need a go-between. You don't have to have a priest. You don't have to have a preacher. You don't have to have a monk. You don't have to have anybody. You go straight to God. Tell Him your, your, your fears, your, your unknowns, uh, times of doubt, things you don't understand. Prayer is the most useful tool we have. God wants you to talk. And these moments of questioning is an opportunity to draw you closer to God. And the more we talk and the more we ask and the more we share, the more we trust God, the more we begin to understand. It is in these moments when we turn to the Lord that we show our complete dependence on God. We don't take matters into our own hands. We talk to God and God acts. We're reminded in Matthew 7, verse 7, Jesus taught, Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Friends, just ask God and trust God and wait. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.